Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com. Hello, welcome back. Thank you for being here. And we are at episode 116, and we're still in China. So if you guys haven't listened to the last couple, we are in China. I'm in China back when I was 22. And we today are flying into the incredibly magical city of Guilin. When we flew in, it was cloud covered, and we dipped below the clouds to find ourselves in this alien landscape with these tall jagged green mountains that stuck straight out of the river and it was incredible later on at a market in shanghai i bought a scroll of this very same scene and i still have it and it hangs in my bedroom right now to this day so every morning i wake up and i look at guilin we stayed at the lee river hotel and it was a place that was like frozen in the 50s Today, it would be very vintage and very much in demand, but it seemed kind of old-fashioned then and quaint. We met our new guide, who was Su Yi Tsai, and then we got to go out into the city a bit. So our hotel had a gorgeous view of the river and the city, and we were right there at the edge of the lake that the river dumped into. The city of Guilin was much more commercial, and people didn't stare so much at us, so we explored the streets a lot on our own. Su Yi wasn't really that into her job it seemed so and she seemed kind of bored so we actually enjoyed our alone times more in this city than our guided times although we did some wonderful guided things on the first day we found a free market that kind of made us sad when we were walking around because we saw baskets of animals that were definitely destined for food like a pile of baby ducks and then a string of little baby turtles all tied together who were madly flapping and of course a cage of dogs and that was gruesome my mother did not want to see that that evening we met up with the young people from mexico whom we had seen in hong kong so we all decided to go out onto the lake in paddle boats and these boats were very funny looking they had heads on them of different animals so i think my brother and his crew got into one that was the head of a duck and then we had some crazy adventures because we were trying to paddle underneath these low bridges and we got stuck because the head of the duck was too tall 
and we had to tip the boat sideways to dislodge it. And the fact that we were all drinking wine really didn't help matters. It was all very, very silly, and we decided the boats felt like gondolas. So Phil started to sing Santa Lucia, and then we did amass a group of giggling onlookers on the banks who were shaking their heads like, oh my God, crazy Western teenagers. Yikes. After the wine and the boats, we got up the courage to try the hotel disco. It too was very funny and old-fashioned with large pulsing boxes of lights underneath the dance floor, just like in Saturday Night Fever. And we busted out our best moves and this group of Japanese tourists joined us. They were like, yay, this is great. Look at this, all these kids dancing. Wow, we are in a hip spot. And they started a chain of the bunny hop at one point, which snaked all around the disco. And uh, then they were like, what's next, what's next? And we, we just did something stupid, like made a bridge with our arms and they started dancing underneath it over and over and over again until our arms were tired and we were like, okay, we gotta go. We laughed so hard and we just fell into bed exhausted shortly afterwards that night because the next morning, bright and early, we were off on a boat ride to take in the sights of the river. And that boat ride was glorious. We saw all these green mountains of Guilin on and on down the river, blue skies, tiny little villages, fishermen on rafts, water buffaloes wading, and all sorts of idyllic sights. And that evening, we saw our first performance. We got treated to a musical medley of various music performances, like a couple of scenes from a Chinese opera, a uh, band, and then some solo singers, one of whom even sang Jingle Bells, which was apparently a popular tune in China at the time. <laughs> On our last day in Guilin, we finally went out to climb those mountains. And the first one was called Piled Silk Hill. It was 400 steps to the top, and then a cave with carved Buddhas and poems from the Sung Dynasty. And then the second was Fubo Hill, which had a huge slogan carved on the front face that read, Long live Chairman Mao. I explored the Thousand Buddhas cave at the bottom because I was a little tired from climbing the first one. And that cave had poems inscribed inside from during the Tang Dynasty. So it was wild, all these really interesting small caves all over the place. In the afternoon, we went to the airport to catch a flight to Shanghai and were surprised with this small 4th of July celebration. Our guide, Judy, had brought along a pile of firecrackers because you know nobody thought about like what you cannot carry through customs at the time and the guards were like no you can't take those through customs big surprise there but why it wasn't a surprise to her I don't know but the guards did tell us that we could go right ahead and light them on the front lawn of the airport which was a very small airport but can you imagine <laughs> that would never ever happen now in any case, uh, we fired them up and we were all standing around and laughing and, you know, happy fourth. And the Chinese loved this because they're big into revolution. That was their thing in recent times, right? So they were standing around watching and, and then we lit up that last group of firecrackers and then we ran towards the doors because we were thinking our plane was leaving. And we found that we were closed out and that the guards wouldn't let us in after all of that. And we were like, wait, what? And it turned out that one of their superiors had found out 
that they had allowed us to do this and had freaked out on them. And they were really going to leave us out there separated from our luggage until our guide, Suyi, did come to the rescue this time. And she did an admirable Chinese tirade <laughs> and really let them have it. And then they opened the doors. <laughs> that was a little crazy. Fireworks and fireworks. So we were off to Shanghai. And though I claim in my diary to have fallen in love with the city because it reminded me of Paris, I actually have precious few notes about our visit. But I do say that we stayed at the Western Suburbs Guest House, where Nixon and Carter had also stayed. So really, you know, we were getting the best of the best that China had to offer. And I think that they really wanted us to be ambassadors for more tourism to China. So they were trying to give us the best experiences possible. And they did. It was phenomenal. This guest house was incredible. It was surrounded by 170 acres of gardens and fields and just beauty. We had fabulous food at our farewell banquet with our guide, Mr. Huang, and he wanted really to talk about politics, but there was a very funny moment because, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna do an accent here, but it was just too funny. We brought up Maggie Thatcher for some reason, and he said, oh yes, your president wants her to help him with his erection. And we all just busted up laughing like, I'll bet he does, that jerk. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for that. We got to do a lot of shopping on the Nanjing Road the next day and not much buying on my part. I mostly walked and photographed and I did admire the incredible artistry. We saw so many examples of all of the beautiful things that artisans made all throughout China that were gathered there in Shanghai. And on the last evening, we were so lucky to see a performance by the Shanghai Acrobatic Troupe, which was incredibly delightful, so fun. They were so funny and so athletic and dynamic and exciting. In the morning, I was finally able to talk to Dave on the phone. It was a call that had to be planned by Telegram a week before and scheduled so that then it could be put through by the hotel staff who then came to get me at breakfast when the connection was established. It was insane. And I talked to him for 20 minutes, which was extravagant in the extreme, which turned out to be $115 that we had to pay on the spot. But it was exciting to talk to the States and also to talk to him because I missed him so much. My aunt had had a call as well that morning, and later she told us that her cousin and my mom's cousin, Christopher, had died of a tumor that he had, and we decided to keep this news from my grandmother until the evening because we knew she would just be devastated and have a horrible day. But I do remember all of us being much more somber that day. I have a picture of my cousin Laura in tears. I don't know why she let me take it, but it's kind of a beautiful picture. And it's, you know, reminds me of that time. Our last stop in Shanghai was the Temple of the Jade Buddha. And it was a magnificent statue of the Buddha made out of one huge piece of jade. And then we boarded a train and we were off for a short ride to Suzhou, famous for its many glorious gardens and beautiful women, which was the meaning of the name Suzhou. One fascinating stop in Suzhou was the National Silk Embroidery Research Institute, where we learned all about how they do this incredible 
embroidery on the gorgeous silks that they made there. We watched the women work and we were fascinated because sometimes they broke the thread, the strand of silk down into such small bits that they only used 1 48th of a strand of silk to make some of the details that they were sewing in there. And that was work that could never be duplicated by a machine, really never. On the next day, we were treated to a fascinating excursion because the whole morning was spent visiting a commune. And it was one that was accustomed to receiving visitors, but it was still cool because we got a bit of insight into what that life was like. It was called the Evergreen People's Commune, and it covered about 17 square kilometers and had 40,000 inhabitants. And we saw them doing all of their various jobs, the farm work and factory work, doctors. We visited various kind of clinics and things like that. We saw a place where they were processing tea, where they had huge piles of tea that smelled glorious. And then they had all of their various harvests of rice and different things. We went into the medical clinic and we saw a woman performing acupuncture and cupping with the cups all along somebody's back and that was the first time we'd ever seen that and then we got to go into uh, an elementary school and visit with the children and they loved talking to us and seeing us and being curious about us and asking questions and everything and then after our a little modest lunch there, we were able to go into one of the farmer's houses and we split up into different smaller groups so we could each visit a house without overwhelming them a bit. And the man was very nice and he showed us around and, you know, it was pretty, it was good living quarters and pretty respectable living rooms, bedrooms. And the most fascinating thing was the stove because there was a long gas wire that ran outside and the fuel was actually human feces. Oh, you know, doesn't smell good, but gets the job done. But it was a way of recycling everything that they had there. Unfortunately, we the farmer was like, yeah, you should go out and see where we store that. And we were like, oh, it's okay. We went out to the shed where there were tubs of feces and there was a horrible sight there because there was a rat who had fallen into one of these tubs and he was swimming around and desperately trying to get out. Oh, that was really awful. Anyway, the commune was a good thing for the people because it was a other than that episode it was a good place to live very comfortable and uh on our last morning in Suzhou we decided to get up super early so that we could see what life was like in the town when people were just awaking we wanted to see them exercising in the town square and all of that stuff so we got up and we walked around quietly in the morning at 6 a.m. and we saw people you know walking out of their doorways in their underwear and uh, rubbing the sleep out of their eyes and women brushing their teeth in the street and spitting and kids who were going off to school with their breakfast in their hands and people doing their exercise in the town square. It was wild. It was cool. After breakfast, we went to see another garden, another gorgeous garden called the Master Fishing Nets Garden and learned that the garden at the Metropolitan Museum in New York was fashioned after that particular garden. 
And then we visited the Arts and Crafts Research Institute where they did all kinds of incredible small handicrafts that now I think you can see in many places, but were brand new to us at that time. They did gorgeous color block painting. They did mahogany carving, which was incredible. And then those tiny carvings on walnut shells and olive pits. And then we actually saw them carving on strands of human hair. That was wild. If I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. After lunch, we went to the canal and there was a boat moored there that was going to take us up the canal to Wuxi. It was a crazy boat. It was done up like a dragon boat with all these colors and gold figurines all over the side. And it was certainly not destined to blend into the scenery. So as we passed small towns on the canal, people just came running out to stare and wave. And they were like, wow, must be some incredible dignitaries going by. It was very funny. We arrived in Wuxi and the people came down to the dock to like marvel at us and who, what's going on? Who are these people? They were so excited and they ran alongside of us and they were touching our clothes and they were really, really excited. And we got to our hotel, which was a beautiful guest house. And my grandmother and aunt, we draw, drew lots for rooms so that it would be fair. And my grandmother and aunt landed this gorgeous big suite where there was a living room area and where Chairman Mao had once slept. And it was really cool. Really cool. I will tell you more about Wuxi tomorrow because I seem to be going on and on. And there's a lot to tell. So I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.